Going live in three, two, one. All right, everybody, we are live. Welcome to another episode of the Liberty Block Live, where tonight's theme is going to be, and I'll see if I can time this right, bull. So, Dan, I understand you have a uh, disclaimer you'd like to give before we get started. We do have another disclaimer because we are back on a semi-corona-related topic. We are not making fun of corona at all. It is a real virus. We have never disputed the fact that the virus exists. We have questioned from the beginning the reaction by government officials to the virus. And that's what leads us into the first segment of the show, which is the overreaction by the public officials. The public is scared, basically. They're being scared to death by some out-of-control governors and um, public officials like Fauci, uh, who has repeatedly changed his mind multiple times, tell you to mask up, and then he'll say, have an interview where masks aren't that effective, and then he'll have an interview where he talks about, well, masks are more of a, uh, it makes you feel good, and if you feel good, then you must be good kind of thing. So this is the guy that kind of has in, has created, he was the earthquake that created this uh, masking tidal wave that, uh, that we're now experiencing. And it turns out that he can't even follow his own advice. So uh, aside from the fact that he was uh, throwing the opening pitch for the Nationals, um, which I didn't know MLB even still existed, but uh, we have a photo of him. Interestingly enough, um, he's not doing any of the things he recommends. Yeah. So, so do we have that photo? Yeah. Truth comes out, folks. That is what you're seeing right now is Anthony Fauci and his, and his I guess it's uh, his wife or something. Anthony Fauci at the Nationals game where he threw out the, uh, at the Nationals Yankees game where he threw out the first pitch. A pretty mediocre uh, pitch from what I hear also. Am I correct? I haven't seen it. I heard it was kind of like a toddler throwing a ball. Uh, it was bad. Now, I don't know. I can't, I can't like comment on like, like <laughs> if it looked like a tot, like if he threw like a girl, but I saw a still frame of where it wound up. Yeah. Where was it? I didn't see it. I just heard it was, I just heard it was horrific. So this photo, uh, there's a couple things I wanted to comment on the photo. Um, first off, we know we're supposed to be masked up and he clearly is not. And there's other shots where he's actually turning to the guy on his right and he's laughing. Uh, the day after this came out, which would have been the following day, so I guess yesterday on Saturday, Friday or Saturday, whenever opening day was, it would have been the next day. The excuse being given is that, well, he was thirsty and he was getting a drink of water. I'm not seeing a glass or a cup of beer or a bottle of water anywhere in his hands right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, so the mask comes off, Dan. Like, I think we all know what's going on here. The truth is revealing itself. And we, yeah. I mean, we're seeing this all, we're seeing this even from the left all across the country and even in your home state with the governor yes. himself. So this next photo we have, uh, we've cropped it a little bit to take some information out of the bottom that's not necessary to make the point. But the dude in the yellow shirt is Arizona Governor Doug Ducey. This photo was taken at a, we, we have a private preparatory uh, high school here that the that the wealthy, nothing wrong with being wealthy and sending your kid to a really good school. But this was at a Brophy graduation party. And the dude in the yellow is our governor. This was on July 6th. Now, that same day, we're going to put a graphic up a little bit later. So you see the governor and we have him highlighted there even. He's not wearing a mask. He's right next to a whole bunch of people who aren't wearing, within wearing masks. Six it's feet, a clear yep. pool party going on. It's a clear gathering of a whole bunch of people of at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, at least eight people because of the guy taking the picture, right? Yes. Uh, again, this is not for us to discount what the, what the nature of, of coronavirus actually is, but like, there's been a lot of research out recently that's shown the masks like really aren't doing anything. And this is what they were telling us from the beginning that the masks don't do anything. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, the, the, the real issue here is that they don't believe their own edicts. Right. They don't believe their, like, like clearly this is just political crap. Right. And, and, this and that's is political. A theme of the bullshit. show. Yeah. <laughs> theme of the show. Um, yeah. It, it, it comes down to, 
it's not that it's not real and and yes the elder in the very this kind of goes back to that first two weeks where we were told the elderly and the immune compromised are the most at risk and the numbers to date show that 85 percent or so i don't know the exact number but it's extremely high that original warning in the beginning has held true to today yeah that it's the elderly a lot of them out of nursing homes in fact not just the elderly but if you're in a nursing home your odds of dying go way up yeah i mean Uh, do we we, do we we, have the graphic that the governor sent out have you put that up yet yeah so so everybody remember this party that we're, we're talking about the governor being at here is july 6th and as dan said on the same day this is the tweet he puts out yes so and i saw this this was actually a Facebook message. He uses Facebook a lot to send out. I'm sure he does tweets also, but I don't get notifications from his page on Twitter. But I get all of his notifications through Facebook. And this was sent out before he walked into that party. Maintain physical distance. Wear a face covering when out in public, which he is. Wash your hands. Uh, maybe he just washed his hands uh, and stay home when you're sick. Well, he's obviously not sick, and he's not worried about getting sick, or he would have his mask on, and he'd be physical distancing. This goes to the point that we're, what is the fear over having to have a mask on? You're not protected. Clearly, he's not worried about infecting somebody else in this photo, and he's not worried about them infecting him, because, again, he's at an age where he's pretty much safe. If he gets it, he's going to get a bad cold. There are a few isolated cases out there. How old is the people? He's probably 40s. I'll bet he's younger than me. I just turned 50. Um, He might be in his 50s. Well, yeah. I mean, what we, what we, what, so we actually did the math the other day, you and I, and it was something like a one seventh of 1%. Uh, So if you, if you take ages 24 down, it's like one seventh of 1% of all deaths are from the ages of 24 down. Right. And it's it's like a perfect it's like a perfectly exponential graph so that the older you get, like the way more likely you are to die of covid. So like from ages 24 to 44, you'd expect that way less than one percent to increase. But you'd also expect that over 44 or whatever is like significantly above them is going to account for just about all the deaths. Mm. And And actually, when you when you look at it, even that 44 to 65 bracket is not terribly out of control. It's once you hit 65, then, yeah, you need to be worried. And what we said going back to the very first show when we started doing this was it's the rules mom and grandma taught you. You wash your hands. Uh, You're not going to go visit grandma if you're sick because you're going to get her sick. The, The basics. And now we're being given my governor has to tell me to wash my hands in a Facebook message. If I can just, we, we don't have it, it, this is last minute, Mike, so I'm going to throw it in real quick, but just the ridiculousness of this. I have a friend that um, that went out of town camping with his buddies over Fourth of July weekend. This is how urgent they think all of this is. He had, he, he had the opportunity to get in, he came back and felt sick the, that next Monday uh, and Tuesday, decided it was a good idea to go get tested. So he went in on Wednesday the 8th, I believe that was. Uh, happened to have um, he happens to have a an ability to get into a first responders testing uh, queue, which basically just bumps them to the top of the line. But they have no idea what level a first responder is, whether he's a cop, firefighter, EMT, whatever. They have no idea. It's just that it's an early, it's a it's a you go to the front of the line if you're uh, a first responder. He goes in on the eighth. We just got his results last thursday on the 23rd 15 days later that's how worried they are about about a first responder getting this well i mean we're going to talk about that in a bit uh like like the importance of the fact that it takes two weeks to get your results so yeah um we're going to talk about that in a bit a bit but i mean like like we've been saying all along like they don't believe they're like the the, the people that are in charge don't even believe their the, their own um their own edicts. And again, uh, just to check up on that, according to the CDC, um, of all of the, among the uh, 52,166 uh, deaths from 47 ju- jurisdictions among uh, persons with laboratory confirmed COVID-19. Um, so I think this is, uh, a, this isn't a complete, uh, a complete 
population sample, but it's a sample that's, that should be considered relevant, relevant to just about a third. Uh, 79.6% were aged 65 or greater. So, yeah, if you're under 65, um, your death rate's going to be a lot, a lot lower. And that's yeah. without factoring in comorbidities. But the, right. the, the scary thing is that, Dan, like, not only do our leaders not believe all this, no, people on the left don't believe all this. The media doesn't even believe this. I think you have a video to show that. So, folks, we're going to just show this on loop because it's, this video is only about five seconds long. But this is as soon as the cameras stop, basically as soon as the record button was supposed to be, you know, stopped. This is these are these are reporters who are happy to walk around without masks and be right next to each other. The, the veil comes off here. Like even the reporters, even the reporters who are feeding us this nonsense, who are feeding us this 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 scare tactics. We're not calling disease nonsense. We're calling we're calling you know the fact that they won't talk about death rates, the fact that they won't talk about South Dakota, the fact that they won't talk about Sweden, the fact that when they talk about states that are spiking, they aren't talking about states that happen to be blue or happen to be run by blue governors, if you will, right? So we. And, and the truth is that they're doing they're not doing this to report accurately on the matter. They're doing this to feed a narrative and they're in utter denial about that. So again, yeah. feeding into the theme of the show, more bull from the media. Yeah. Which is what again we said from there. We we were trying not to do another corona show, but all of this breaking this week with Fauci and then my governor who actually had broke last weekend. And us finding this video, and we started talking about it, and it's just, it's unfair to the country that this much fear is being instilled in people over something that is not necessary. There have been studies now that show you can be, if you're asymptomatic, you can be standing right next to somebody for up to 30 minutes, and they still cannot find a detectable level of virus. Right, because what you need to do is like sneeze or cough on them. Just simply right. breathing next to somebody doesn't do it. Right. right? Like, and if we're worried about sneezing and coughing, uh, normally what I would do on, on the show is I would mute my mic real quick, but here's me coughing. <coughs> and then I wash my hands or something. I hope you do. Right? Like, that is going to, this, based on what they're talking, based on what we actually know about these masks, doing this is going to have the exact same effect as, for example, the N95. Which does nothing to prevent the pores of the mask are smaller than the virus, or lar- the pores larger. are larger than the virus. But that the doesn't virus matter. Virus can get through the pores. All of the N95s you're ever going to see have a vent in the front of them. That's a one-way valve, which means that it's designed to allow air particles to go through. It's designed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, on top of all of this fear-mongering, we get the reaction you would expect from the left to this fear-mongering, which is more lockdown measures. So yep. this is this is from my this is from my state. This is near and dear to me. Governor Ned Lamont pledges to add a thousand dollar fine, force of law to his travel quarantine policy. So you'll notice that if you scroll down in this article to see the actual picture that they're using for the headline, yeah, this is Ned Lamont. This is Ned Lamont about to issue uh, this these draconian measures, and yes. Folks, he is not wearing a mask. And the caption is, on June 25th, Governor Ned Lamont went to Bradley International to announce new quarantine procedures for travelers coming to Connecticut from states with the high infection rates. And I realize that says June 25th, but this article is as of the 20th of this month. Uh, so July 20th. Um, and, and the measures are... They're pretty steep here. They're pretty serious here. Governor Ned Lamont pledged Monday to add teeth, including a $1,000 fine to his 14-day quarantine policy for travelers coming to Connecticut from coronavirus hotspots around the nation. We'll, do, we'll get into what he's defining as a hotspot. You go, to, quote, you go to a hotspot, you come back to the state, you either have a test that shows you tested negative or you must quarantine for 14 days, Lamont said during an afternoon televised briefing. We're going to issue an executive order, not guidance, that's going to clarify that on no certain, on no uncertain terms. So, I, I don't know how you travel to and from these states now. Like, to a two-week well, quarantine? At, that means that means look at look at my buddy that took fifteen days. Exactly. So he wants a fourteen-day quarantine on a fifteen-day test. I mean, who the hell can take a three-month vacation, especially now? Right. 
Who the yeah. hell can afford to do that? Hawaii's doing this. They're locking people coming in after lockdown 14 days. It's like, what's the point of taking a trip to Hawaii if you're in a hotel room for 14 days? Right. I mean, and who can afford that? In Hawaii, no one. Right. Like, right. Like zillionaires who 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 you know. Mark Zuckerberg can. Yeah. Well, I mean, even at that, he's got business to take care of. Yeah. Like, so I wouldn't expect Zuck to deal with this crap. But I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I, I suppose some movie stars can because they have months between each shoot. You know, but like, how how in the world are you supposed to even travel then? If that's the case. And by the way, Dan, uh, this is on you. You, t- you tell me this. How in the world are they going to enforce this? How in the world are they going to enforce this? Uh, fire ants or something, maybe. Uh, how the hell know. are they going? How do you? How well, the are they going to gonna... lock everybody up? So they re- you go back to your release and prisoners, so you can lock up the people that violate your order. Uh, it's... Here's the thing, Dan. You come in from New York State, which is not on this list. The, like you're either coming from no, New so York, Massachusetts, or Rhode Island. New York, the place where they had the, all the freezer trucks. You can come from there into Connecticut, no problem. Yep, yep. The state with the most COVID deaths. The state where with the with the most problems with this disease by far. You're allowed to come into Connecticut and not quarantine from that state. But these are things, Dan. If I'm coming in from one of these states that are on this list, I'm going to be coming in through New York. So how the hell are they going to know that I was even in that state? Is my state on the list? Uh, Texas. Arizona. Well, I'll take oh, yeah, Texas Arizona. too. I'm, Arizona. I'm to well, folks, we actually have the list, and this is from NPR. Uh, and uh, this article that we just have been showing says that uh, Ned Lamont, I'll scroll down to, uh, uh, as of July 17th, the administration posted 22 states that meet the criteria as hotspot states, having daily increases in infection rates of 10% or more. So they care about the infection rates, which could be just... Yeah. Oh, which just, oh just, death rates are out the window. Death they don't rates care about out death the window rates. two weeks ago. It's all they don't care about death rates. Death rates could be going way down. And then if your testing skyrockets, of course you're going to get more positives. Which means, yeah. of course, you would expect 10%. 10% is nothing. 10% is nothing for, posit- for positivity if, you're, if you've got exponential growth um, in testing. So this is, this is actually so that those 22 states have actually expanded to 31. This is uh, from NPR, folks. This is from uh, as not right as you can get. Uh, it, it's about as centrist as you're going to get for a mainstream media site. Um, but uh, yeah, this is from NPR. Uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, now state travelers from 31 hotspot states must quarantine. And you can see in that graphic um, how, which states are. Notice, notice how the red basically correlates pretty closely to how people would vote. Yeah. Right? Like, like with the exception of like California and New Mexico and Washington. Um, Interesting South Dakota's <laughs> not on there. Interesting that South Dakota's not on there. Interesting that South Dakota is not on there. Do, do, do we want in, do, do we want to get into those statistics, folks? Do we want to get into South South Dakota, or do we um do we want to get into Connecticut first? Because we can talk about Connecticut before we get to South Dakota. Let's, but, let's do Connecticut. Let's yeah. stick on that. So let's let's remember these states here. And you know, uh, Dan, I'm sure you've been posting links to all these articles so people yeah, can follow our, through. Links all the way up to the graphic are now posted. Here are the active cases in Connecticut. That's right, folks. We haven't had a net increase in active cases in Connecticut in over a month. Now, I know what you're going to say. Mike, that's because Connecticut's been doing it right. Well, first things first, Connecticut's been doing exactly the same thing as New York because Lamont has been an utter puppet for Cuomo. And literally everything Cuomo has done. And you can hold my feet to this fire on this. Present to me one thing that Lamont has done that's been different from Cuomo, from Cuomo and hasn't been an obvious reaction to what Cuomo's done. So... New York State doesn't look like this. Connecticut, one of the hardest hit spots in the entire country. This is their active cases chart. We're going way down. Even though our testing is growing exponentially, again, our active cases are going way down, which means that these positivities may be false positives, or it may be these, these, that the, the positive, positives are people who are basically recovered and are, no long, and, and are only in the active group for a very short, short period of time. But the most important statistics, the most important statistic, in my opinion, is the outcome. Because if the disease does, has no effect whatsoever on you, then who cares? Who the hell cares? And I'm not saying corona doesn't, but the most reliable statistic we have is death because there's no, there's no controversy over what constitutes as a death. You're either dead or you're not, right? Yes. There's no in-between. There's no, like, how, how sick are you? How much damage to your lungs have been done? This is why we go by deaths because it's incredibly reliable. Um, this is the chart of daily new deaths in Connecticut. And I know you guys can't see those points, but... In all of July, we've had 90 deaths. 
including seven since Monday of this week, which is zero on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, and is less and is less than the ninety-four we had on May fourteenth alone, which is still less than half of Connecticut's peak, which happened on April twentieth. Folks, I would say yeah. what happened in Connecticut, since it was one of the first places to get hit, I would say the beginning of that graph that you can see right there where there's not a lot of deaths, that was all back when we, weren't do- when we were hardly doing any testing. Now we've got a ton right. of testing. Dan, I mean, tell me if you think this sounds wrong. People just died. We got it people here in Connecticut. Are, people are simply dead. Well, they're getting caught all over the place listing deaths. They got a week, about a week and a half ago, they got caught in Florida. A guy died in a motorcycle accident. When the reporters were pressing them, they finally admitted that even though he died in a horrific motorcycle accident, they listed his death as a COVID death, which which should not have happened. Yeah, and I get that. I get that these data are inflated, but Dan, this is my hypothesis with Connecticut. We actually got coronavirus here in Connecticut months before everyone else did, and everyone just got it and got over it. Yeah, and worked through it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think these measures did anything because if you compare that to other states like Florida, which is having a spike, if you compare it to mm-hmm. states like New York, which, you know, don't look like the Connecticut graph, you know, I mean, we're, we're doing nothing differently from New York. What it sounds like in New York is that upstate New York is finally getting hit. And that's all that's happening. Right. Uh, and and the, the evidence to this effect, of course, is here's the daily new cases in Connecticut. Our peak for daily new cases happened in middle of April. We aren't having a spike here yeah. in Connecticut. so Pretty much everywhere. Arizona also. I was so, fighting with somebody on Facebook last night about this. And ours were back in March and April into May. In fact, since May, there's been one day where there were 1,200 deaths. This guy was trying to claim that there were 1,200 deaths a day continuously. And I had to show the graph that on July 20th, which was a Monday, so they were collecting data for the whole weekend, rolling it into Monday. Monday, there was just over 1,200. And before that, the last day was in the middle of May. Yeah, so that's that's not us like calling in some conspiracy over the weekend. It's just that reporting sites are limited over the weekend, and that's just right. how reporting works. Right. And All that's of this a- is available on Worldometers, which are these links that we post. Yep. And you can you can dial down by your by your your state, you can dial by country. You know, if you want to look up Azerbaijan, if you wanted, you can look up. Or Azerbaijan. if you want to look up Sweden, I know what folks are going to say at home. Well, that's only because Connecticut. The only reason it got over is because Connecticut issued the lockdowns, or it's they got over it because they had the yeah. death. They had the virus around them way before everyone else and got over it, and everyone just got sick and got over it, right? And now we're basically immune, right? I mean, this is why we're not having new deaths in, in, in Connecticut. This is why we're not having a spike, right? And the masks don't do anything, and Lamont knows it. As evidenced by the fact that he went to a freaking airport to make his speech with no mask on, and Did we he? talked about compare. That was what that picture was. And if if we want to compare ourselves to a to a country, let's compare ourselves to Sweden. Now that no one wants to talk about Sweden, this is the mm-hmm. daily new deaths in Sweden, folks. Their peak daily new deaths happened again in the middle of April, right? And this is, of course, back before they were really doing much all that much testing, and they haven't increased on their five-day total at all and now they're basically over it right they're they're on single digit daily deaths at this point for the whole freaking country so so if we want to compare ourselves to another country how about a country that didn't do like any lockdown measures how about a country where they're where they're reporting mask wearing rates like comparable to new hampshire where no one's wearing masks right everything seems to indicate that here in connecticut we just got over and why the hell we rolled back our our reopening measures is beyond me oh well it's not beyond me we know what's going on here but uh again i mean if we want to compare ourselves to sweden here's the here's the new new cases in sweden which perfectly aligns with testing perfectly aligns with an increase in testing i know what you're going to say well deaths are downstream from tests from uh from new cases right their peak in in new cases was a month ago it's not yeah. a month downstream. It's like a week or two. Like when you mm-hmm. when you have a case spike, if the deaths are related to that case spike, then you'd expect the deaths to happen like a week or two later, not a month later. Right. right? And, and last thing on Sweden here, because we ought to talk about Sweden. Here's their active cases. So I don't want to talk about the fact that they have 65,000 cases. I want to talk about the fact that in Sweden, there are... 65,003 currently infected patients. This is as of this afternoon. And you have to excuse me here, folks, while I pull out my calculator. But 64,953 in mild, in mild condition, 
50 in serious or critical condition. So let's do that. 50 divided by 65,003. So times 100. 0.0769%. 0 0.0679%. 99 point... So in Sweden, if you have corona right now, and you probably don't because most people got over it, mm -hmm. or, if you have, or, or if you have it, it's because you've, test, you've tested positive for uh, basically antibody. You have a 99.92% mm -hmm. chance of not going into serious or critical condition. Jeez, there's not going to be enough people to repopulate the earth at this rate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're talking about how horrible. they're talking about how, like, in, in certain places, they're having problems with coming up with people who have actual positive tests to develop the vaccine because the world is just the world, the world got sick and we got over it, right? Well, we'll we'll look at this South Dakota chart here in a minute. Something just occurred to me. What's that? Um. Are we ready for South Dakota? I want to see that. I actually don't. I, I don't this. have that. I don't have the uh, the visuals for South Dakota, but we can talk nah. about it. But we can I'll talk about it here. because when, like, when was South Dakota spike? Do you have that open by chance? Uh, let me go to, to South Dakota. Uh, let's see. We're look, We're we're pretty much looking looking at these graphs. Most of the death spikes occurred in April and May, right? Uh, so their spike. There's. There, it looks like there was some fluke that happened in the end of May, which is that chicken factory. Where like 600 yeah. people tested positive all at once? Yeah. No, so, not tests. Deaths. Yeah, so deaths. No, there's no real peak in deaths in, in South Dakota. Like Their peak day number of deaths was July 10th at 6. 6 okay. for the whole state. Yeah, they've been pretty low regardless. But they never shut down. They, right. They, Christine, Christine Nome got ridiculed for going out of her way to not shut down. For going yeah. out of her way to say, no, folks, you got you guys know what you need to do. The data is all mm -hmm. available. And in terms of yeah. their active cases, like if you exclude that one chicken farm, it was yeah. it was on April, April 5th tax day, April freaking 15th. This is over three three months ago. Three months ago. I'm so I, I, I wish I had a bleep button because I'm so yeah, close. I, I was gonna say I'm glad glad you caught yourself. <laughs> so close. There's plenty of things we're gonna get in trouble for today that uh we don't need that on top of it. So if we want to compare Connecticut to another state in the U.S., let's, why not compare it to South Dakota, who's not on your list? Because they never shut down. They never yeah. shut down. Again, it seems to me like it either never got to South, South Dakota or they got it. Or, or like well, I said, like well, we, got it. we got over it I'm, and we stopped here's traveling. Here's what just occurred to me for some reason. I don't know why it finally kicked in. Most of the, again, most of the deaths were, looked like they pretty much spiked in about April and May, right? Yeah, we're still getting lots of tests coming in and people test positive. How what? Let me run this hypothesis by you. Um, what if April and May is when the herd was thinned out to use a hunting term? Yep. What if that's when what if we all pretty much have worked through this and the herd of humans was thinned out in April and May? That's why we're showing positive tests. But we are not. Yep, having that drastic of a death rate increase. Oh, we're 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 plummeting in deaths. I mean, I, yeah. I, we talked about this earlier in the week. Just the two so the of us. bulk of the herd has been thinned. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened in my opinion. That's it what just occurred positive. to me seeing seeing that that hump over and over in the same spot. Yeah, and like here's the thing, man. Like we talked about this earlier in the week, where we talked about this the where I lived in in Tennessee for a while, which was uh, the Upper Cumberland. It's an area the size of Connecticut. Right, there's 280,000 right. people in this area, and and in Putnam County, which accounts for virtually all of the population there, you had one death since May 1st. One, mm -hmm. one, 180,000 people. You had one death, one death. Right, and we we did the math for it, and it worked out so that in the entire Upper Cumberland, there was a, you would predict a death rate of 0.0066 percent. So you take you know the number of um, you take the number of cases, or sorry, you take the number of tests, you take the number of positive tests, right? Mm -hmm. And you extrapolate the number of positives that you would predict into the population. Like, let's say all of those, uh, let's say everyone got tested, right? So let's yeah. say if you, if you have 200,000 people in, in the Upper Cumberland, and let's say you have 50,000 uh, tests, you take your positives and multiply it by four, right? And then yeah. you would say the number of people that have died divided by that new number, and the answer is 122 divided by some huge number. 
You know, it, right. it's basically all 200, 280,000 people. And it works out to a survivability of 99.9934%, right? So, you know, like, like South Park said, man, it's over, Stan. Covered is here. Soon only 99.98% of us will remain. And uh, as prophetic as they've been, we will come back to them at the end of the show for yet another f- fulfilled prophecy Yes. <laughs> as it relates Year, to years previous. Yeah. Yeah. As it relates to our next topic, which is, do we want to, I hate, I hate doing this, but we're on, we're on the subject of both. So, um, we have to talk about black lives matter because, yep. well, it's, it's gotten worse folks. So, uh, we, we talked last week, although you guys probably didn't see it because our stream crashed. Um, yeah, technical difficulties. It's a day of the week ending in Y, and it's the Liberty Block. So of course we're going to have technical difficulties. But we said we said that we're not watching the NFL this year. We're just I I can't do it. We're not watching the NFL this year. Um, and now MLB. Although uh, what just yesterday there were two teams where not a single person kneeled. Right. So I may have to walk back what I what we talked about on Friday, but. Yeah. Uh, and we we talked Which about nobody saw what we talked about. So you want to give it? Yeah, quick. yeah, yeah. So we talked about Anthony Anthony Fauci earlier in the show uh, throwing out the first pitch at the Yankees Nationals games, uh, and that was at the same time as uh, a, a huge Black Lives Matter bunch of nonsense in the Major League Baseball. So you can see, folks, every member of the Nash, of the Yankees and Nationals, every one of them knelt before the actual game came into play and then on top of that they had uh, i mean this is this is just this is just brutal uh, this baseball is the sport that i like to watch the most outside of yeah. possibly soccer which you don't consider to be a sport um it's a pastime <laughs> <laughs> okay though it was the novel coronavirus that delayed major league baseball's opening day uh, by nearly four months the social reckoning that occurred along the way could not be ignored before it was time to play ball this is from usa today folks in a, in a coordinated gesture between the reigning World Series champion Washington Nationals and New York Yankees, before the first Major League game played this year, this year's Thursday night on Thursday night, players clutched a black cloth that winded from that wound from the Nationals' first baseline around to the Yankees on the third baseline. Then, before a pre-recorded rendition of the Star Spangled Banner, every player and coach out for pre-game introductions, took a knee in the grass for about 20 seconds with no fans in the stands as baseball restarts while mitigating the risk and worries about COVID. The park was particularly silent for the moment, which comes nearly two months after the killing of George Floyd. And here's the thing. If you want to take a, a moment of silence, fine. But if we're going to be kneeling and, and you know, instituting some sort of measure of, of, of you know, allegiance with Black Lives Matter, and here's uh, the entire Yankees bench uh, kneeling for the kneeling for Black Lives Matter, um, which maybe maybe we need to drop another disclaimer in for this part of the show. Yeah, uh, that we we all agree, I think, at Liberty Block that that what happened to Floyd was uncalled for. Oh, this isn't. This I isn't know. I'll, about... I'll, go, I'll go one step further. That that is probably that is almost certainly second degree murder. Almost Absolutely, second degree, yeah. second degree. And murder. I think we all pretty much said that. Yeah. That, that, I that think somebody was saying it was flat out murder and we said, no, nah, it's going to be a tough, tough one to prove. And, yeah. They, they, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're it, the, the uh, DA's. But yeah, we, but, yeah, none of us think that what happened to him was in any way justified. And I, and I don't care if he had a criminal record or whatever. He was trying to pass a fake 20. It doesn't justify death. I've never heard of a death penalty for uh for passing a fake twenty, it doesn't matter. There's so we're not mocking. We're mo- not mocking that. We're not mocking what the what is it? The nine blacks in the last year that have been co- ill by cops, nine yeah, unarmed, nine unarmed blacks. We're not mocking that at all. Or all we are doing, we're specifically criticizing the actual organization BLM. Yes. Yeah, so none the, of the none of the rest of the support for yeah. any injustice that might be done. The literalism, which is a literalism with lowercase b. Lowercase L, lowercase M. Yes, I would I would say I agree with that, but I'm not yeah. going to say it because 100%. because it is run by an obviously uh, an anarcho-Marxist communist group 
who wants yes. to, to who is whose purpose is to dismantle this country. And yeah. you know, so on top of the players kneeling for Major League Baseball, Thursday night a Players Alliance video narrated by Morgan Freeman played on the on the video board at Nationals Park as a black cloth lined the grass. After the video, players clutched a cloth and then silently knelt for about twenty five seconds before rising. And the moments before local local favorite DC Washington's rendition of the national anthem played. This video, I wish I could get my hands on this video. This video was utter trash. Utter trash. And I actually had a lot of respect for Morgan Freeman before I saw this. Have you, have you seen the video that they aired? I have not. No, I've seen him before was, being interviewed where he says that, no, it's – he's implied that there's not a lot – there's not racism, that he's, you know – yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know for you. I've seen him before, and he's not one of. He's not somebody that wants to get out there and say, "Yeah, we're overly racist." He's he's spoken about the opportunities. Oh, I mean, it was the there. exact opposite of that. It was so this this nation is a, is a racist country, and we've got and we still have to deal with the fact that every white person is still is somehow racist or whatever. We have these endemic problems to our society. Endemic is endemic. My eye, really? endemic. Okay. My eye. They got to him. All right. Yeah, they got to even more. I believe that, I believe it's an interview with Don Lemon where he where Don, where he asks him if it if it's a racist country. Brian Stelter, I think but yeah. he says no. Brian oh, Stelter, but Stelter? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah so, so in the past, in the past, he has spoken that he does not feel that, but maybe yeah. his attitudes changed. So so we get we get the kneeling, we get this BLM nonsense, we get the the, the black cloth. Right, and then on top of on top of that, and that's just from the Yankees Nationals game. Sorry, folks, if we're not going to be able to show the entire article here, but I, we we got to move on because this is just a topic I, I, that just infuriates me. This is what the this is how the Red Sox responded. Yes, folks, that is a mural. That is a like two hundred foot long mural outside of Fenway Park, and just so you can see how it lines up, um, this is uh, I, it's not Yawkey Way, uh, it's the highway, it's the Massachusetts Turnpike, I think. Uh, as it goes by by uh, Fenway Park, so this is right. at night, so you can see how it lines up to the road better. But yeah, they're now they're full on, full on subscribing now. They they they've fallen for it. They they have fallen for the BS that is the Black Lives Matter movement, right? It, it, here's here's another here's a tweet from Red Sox. Uh, from the Red Sox Twitter account that shows how on the scoreboard, it says on the actual manual scoreboard that the Red Sox still use. They still have those the pieces of metal. They have to slide in for the score. They've changed it so it says for you know top of the first, B, top of the second, L, top of the third, A, and it winds up spelling out Black Lives Matter. And really? you know, I'm I'm I Dan, I don't know I don't know why you watch sports. Perhaps you can chime in. But I go to sports to get away from politics. Yes. Yeah, I have enough Enough that I follow politically that I don't need it mixed into, and I've been that way forever. I've always hated when they when they make stupid little bullshit speeches. It used to be their little before or after the game kind of thing. They'd put a little little snippet out there, but uh, yeah, it's the two should be separated. Sports is an entertainment. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys are going to be able to see the symbol here because um, I I forgot to crop this picture. Uh, the next picture will, 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 I think, do a better job of, of showing it. But on top of all of that, this was what was on the mound for not only that game, but for every other game. And again, of course, the picture, uh, the next picture here as I get everything lined up is going to show it better. This is a symbol that you have to see for every pitch because that's the camera angle that you see when you watch a baseball game. That we're going to have Major League Baseball symbol with instead of MLB under it, it says BLM. Now, I'll admit, I'll, I'll admit, in the second game of the series season, this wasn't there. But this is across all every every game opening day. So we not we have the players kneeling. We have that bull baloney video, the BS video. We have the the stupid uh, red line thing. We have uh, Black Lives Matter mural out, mural outside of Fenway Park. We have the BLM symbol, I guess, if you're going to call it that, scraped into the dirt on every pitcher's mound so that the camera can see it. Do they not get it? Do, how many? How many of their fans are they trying to alienate by saying, right. folks, that they're going to align themselves with an with an openly, avowedly 
Marxist institution that openly expresses on their website how they want to completely dismantle everything this country stands for. And by the way, folks, yeah. what this country stands for is, and I won't have to abbreviate it like like a certain presidential candidate, that we 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 hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that, that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, Dan, the thing, right? The thing. Yes, yeah. the thing. Right, because it's so hard to memorize something that you were taught in fourth grade. Yeah. Well, I think I, Joe Biden's been around so long. I think the ink was still dry on that, or drying on that document when he first entered politics. <laughs> he, well, I mean, he, so he, so something so interesting. I I figured this out today to to just tangent on that for a second. Do you realize that when Joe Biden was first elected to the United States Senate, the Beatles were still a band? No, they did not. They did not. 69? That's when they that's when they well, hang on. That's when they played their last show. They actually were working on possibly no. reuniting and stuff. They officially dissolved in 1975. That's when that's when the court they, what? documents were finalized. Oh, come on. That's in the court documents. I, I just they were, well, they, were they, they were broken they were up in January of 69. They were they they, they, they did. They, but, they pumped they out. Did, but there Abby was Road. Uh, they pumped out Abbey but, Road and that and then they washed their hands yes, of it. But, but in 72, Ringo did an album, and John and, and George were on there. Yeah, and there but that was, was because talk. They, were, they did that. Yeah, there, were, George... there was talk of them getting back together. I already researched it to get today. Yeah. They were all talking that they might work together. They were just trying to figure it out. And at one point, they're like, you know what? We're all too busy. This ain't going to work. Let's dissolve it. Right. Because there were also issues with management. They wanted to dissolve uh, management contracts. So yeah, it was yeah. easier. Well, but technically and... speaking, they were still legally... Whatever. Whatever. Three years after Joe Biden, you're just a Joe Biden apologist tonight. No, no. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, like, if you want to go by that metric, then yes, the Beatles actually did release a number one hit song in 1991. That was a new song that they recorded in 1990. It was called "Free as a Bird" because apparently Yoko released. Yeah, the song is actually trash. Pre-recorded Lennon tracks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where all four of them are the only people on the track. And they're okay, all well, well, we I can still link him to within one year of the Beatles' last appearance. He was elected to uh, to the State House in 1970. Oh, oh, to so the State House. Okay, all right. So he's been so, in politics for fifty something years. He's been in politics since the Beatles, but he's he was in the Senate when they were still legally a thing. Yeah. So we talked about the the nonsense of Black Lives Matter, um, and here's the thing, like. Elliot wants police reform in a way that I, I don't think you and I would agree, but perhaps there's some things that need that need to be done, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and and we've said this long before there was this, and regardless of race, regardless of race, I think that there's a serious question to be asked about whether public sector unions should exist at all. And that to oh, me yeah. is where you start. And then you do right. everything else after that because you may not need to do certain measures. And mm. that thing, statement I just said about not needing to do certain measures, um, well, we're, we're doing that in Connecticut. We're doing that in Connecticut, so just um, actually, we're doing that in Connecticut. So, do you want to do that first? Or do you want to do the uh, Black Lives Mural in, in uh, Redwood City because you actually might know more about Redwood City than me. I know a little about Redwood City. Yeah, so I don't you- know too much on this story, but my my son was born in Redwood City, and uh, I've spent a lot of time in Redwood City. What's it like there? Is it red, blue, purple? Oh, it's blue. It's, it's Silicon blue. Valley. It's Silicon Valley. Yeah. So how do we know how do we know that this is all a load of crap? Well, you remember how um there's all these murals that are being paint, painted onto roads uh that say Black Lives Matter, one that was obviously done in a defamatory manner outside of Trump's out of Trump outside of Trump Tower in Manhattan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a California city removes removed its Black Lives Matter mural in the middle of the night after a Trump supporter asked to paint uh MAGA twenty twenty on the street. Let me get to yes. let me get to this article. Uh, because this is from the insider insider.com. I have no idea where, where they stand politically or anything like that. Yeah. I can't say I, I have a, any knowledge on them. A California city removed its black lives matter mural in the middle of the night last week after a local lawyer asked whether she could install one nearby in support of president Donald Trump's reelection bid. So folks, if you're watching at home, really pay attention to this because yeah. Hey, th- there might be something to this in other cities. 
Yep. CBS San Francisco reported on Sunday that a Redwood City resident, Dan Pease, asked city officials earlier in July if he could paint Black Lives Matter on a street downtown on a street downtown as part of an uh, Independence Day public art celebration, um, which is wildly inappropriate for Independence Day. But we'll right. get into that in another conversation someday. Officials agreed and provided him with yellow poster board paint he used to paint the 17-foot mural. Uh, because we were using quote because we were using poster board paint that would eventually deteriorate over time. My understanding from them was that the mural would last as long as the paint lasted. Peace told the outlet. But on Thursday, city officials scrubbed the mural uh, from the street in the middle of the night, saying it could be a traffic hazard. CBS San Francisco reported, and my response, of course, is you think. You think this was our comp- you and you and I talked about this. I said this the day they went down. That if I get in an accident driving over that because I can't see where the lines are, I'm going to be suing the city. The most dangerous thing the overwhelming pe- majority of people in this country will do is drive a car, and it's not close. Like, driving right. a car is an incredibly danger- dangerous endeavor. And especially in a place like Manhattan, you can't mm-hmm. have these things on the road. You can't do right. that with the road, right? So they removed it not long after Maria Rotenberg. A real estate lawyer requested that she be allowed to paint MAGA 2020, Trump's re-election campaign slogan on the same street. Quote, I saw a Black Lives Matter sign appearing on Broadway Street on the asphalt. I figured that's going to be a new public space open for discussion, and I wanted to get my message out too. And quote, Rutenberg told the local CBS station, when news first circulated that city officials were considering removing the mural, some activists suggested a sit-in to prevent the words from being washed away. For them to say, uh, quote, for them to say, take it down. Uh, hold on, we, we got to move one slide over here. For them to say, take it down because of controversy shows the problem of racial inequality is still present and, it, present and it's not okay. Jose Castro, a local artist who created a different mural of George Floyd in that city, has allowed to remain, told the, journal, told the Daily Journal last week. God, man, some of these articles, man, they just, their, their grammar is just utter trash. <laughs> Pease told CBS San Francisco that while he didn't believe Black Lives Matter was a political statement, even though it's capital P, capital L, capital M, that is called a proper noun, which means when you use it that way, you're referring to the proper noun, which is the organization. Idiot was a political statement. He understood the city's predicament. I have no hard feelings to the city. He said I am whatever. So the point here is that the moment a lawyer came and said, hey, I'd like to do Mm -hmm. you've created a public forum. And they obviously did. They obviously did. Yeah, I'd like to have a MAGA, MAGA sign on. They decide it was then that the city council was like, yeah, you know, maybe having these murals all over the road is, is, is unsafe. How convenient. Yeah. How convenient. So, like, oh, yeah. I, I love this story. And, and of course, it's, this is hopefully what's going to happen in New York. And by the way, the, uh, this article pointed out that this mural apparently has repeatedly vandalized, right? And... Yeah, now, now it's time to take it down, right? Because yeah. it's 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 not safe to have the road repainted into dis- something completely different. Oh yeah, yeah. How convenient. So we know that we're, we know they're acting in good faith. We know that they're being honest about all of this. Well, public officials usually are. Yeah, and speaking of good faith and honest, uh, well, uh, po- police reform bill passes house after seven and a half hour debate in all nighter. So let's do some statistics in Connecticut. So. Uh, Dan's going to link you guys an article from the Hartford Current. This is as left-wing a news publication as you can possibly get. This is a rag. It's not. It's a rag. <laughs> and they're and they're still willing to talk about. And you'll you'll see how they describe these twenty-one deaths in the five in the last five years in Connecticut. Three and a half million people right next door to New York City. So we're not you know forgettable in terms of population. In the last five years, police have shot twenty-one, shot and killed twenty-one people. Or sorry, have killed twenty-one people, because one so of those deaths of, was not even a, a was shooting. Four and death. a quarter, four and a quarter a year. Okay, like in Connecticut, I, I would wonder how many people have died by getting by, because they got hit by lightning. Yeah, I would wonder how many people in Connecticut won major lotteries in Connecticut over the course of that five years. Twenty-one is nothing. It sounds to me like our police have. And by the way, folks, twenty-one isn't the number of unarmed blacks that were killed over five years. It was the that's number total of people. That's total people. That's everyone that were that were killed by police, and not just shot and killed. Because one of those people wasn't shot and killed. They were killed with a taser. Ah, okay. So, like, and I, not to make fun of people dying, but the fact is, you're talking statistics here, and if we're talking numbers, you have to talk about what. Is is 
you know, what's yeah. out of out of hand versus what's not. And, it and sounds... we don't have we don't necessarily have the info on why deadly force had to be used. Close to a thousand people die at the hands of police officers each year. In Connecticut, yeah. it's four. 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 So I mean, Dan, does that sound like there needs to be reform in Connecticut? In or, a population of three million, no. three and a half million, yeah, three. I mean, yeah. Million. If any of those were down the road, we find that they were unjustified. Then look at why it happened, and yeah, you maybe reform what was going through the officer's mind. But if you find out it was legitimate, if the guy pulls a gun out and points it at a cop's head, that's a fairly legitimate, you know, use of deadly force in return. Yeah, I mean, there are. And you'll we just had it. Just uh, it was just on Facebook today. There was a lady that was. They were interacting with here in Phoenix, um, and she was she was using some racial derogatories, and uh, the the cops went to just while they concluded their investigation, they went to throw some cuffs on her. They got it on one. She starts to spin out of the cuffs, reaches into her waistband, pulls it out. This is just yesterday. Starts popping shots off, and two officers, I can see two in the video, had to draw their weapons and shoot her. She lived, well... I assume she lived because she was on the ground tell, saying, okay, enough's enough, but she at least got hit by one. Yeah. But well, she pulled a gun on the cops, and you can tell that her gun goes off first. So yeah. what are they going to do, stand there and take it? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. Like, the overwhelming majority of police police shootings, by the way, are uh, obviously justified. Ones that you and I would agree as yeah. libertarians are obviously justified, right? right. And, and you and I are not, like... <sighs> We, you know, I, my my support for the police starts and ends when they starts and ends where they do their job correctly. You're correct, and that's it. That's yeah. it, right? Like I, I I I consider the existence of police in a civil society a, a necessary evil. I would love to be in a society correct. where we could do without police. It's not possible. Yeah. It's just not possible. Yeah. There's no way to develop a society like that. So right. this this so this bill came through Connecticut to reform. Um, to, Deadly police shootings. Yes, or something like that. I don't know what they're trying to reform here in Connecticut. But this is from the Connecticut Post, another leftist rag, and you'll hear how it describes. So the first thing that we should describe here is that um, in the House, the original bill didn't have the qualified immunity basically getting eliminated, right? Now, okay. qualified immunity for, for those at home is qualified immunity, which means you aren't yes. just immune to personal liability under certain circumstances, right? And in Connecticut, we don't seem to really have that problem because those people who do the wrong thing wind up going to civil court. But this is from the Connecticut Post, the leftist liberal brag. Hartford, rogue law enforcement officers... Uh, sorry, so, sorry I, so the original bill didn't have the elimination of qualified immunity. And that didn't pass. That was 72-72, right? So it didn't pass. So they did read it. So at 1.30 in the morning, as session was about to close, the, the Democrats reintroduced this bill. And I'm going to be, I'm hoping to talk to either uh, my representative, who's Billy Mo Buckby, or my state senator, who is Craig Miner. I've already sent out messages to talk to them and bring them onto my show for, you know, an interview about what this all means. But rogue law enforcement officers could become more exposed to lawsuits under a sweeping policy uh, police accountability bill that passed the house during the morning rush hour Friday after a seven and a half hour debate and now heads to the Senate for action next week. The final 86 to 58 vote coming just past 9 a.m. after an all night session belied a fracture in the majority of democratic caucus that was almost exploited by Republicans who came within one vote of eliminating the most controversial part of the bill, which was the qualified immunity. The, re the removal of qualified immunity. Well, it doesn't completely remove it, but it basically does. Republicans tried to strip away the immunity provision, which could increase personal lawsuits against police officers who violate allowable practices. A 72-72 deadlock on the Republican amendment was declared by Speaker of the House Joe Arasimowicz after the House tally machine was kept open for 45 minutes as both sides scrambled for support from lawmakers. That was not an easy, as easy in normal times. Because of coronavirus protection, most lawmakers remi remained in their private offices in the state capitol and nearby legislative office building throughout the debate. 17 Democrats joined Republicans. Yeah, so, you know, 
The package will likely have an equally tough time in the state Senate where Democrats hold a 22 to 14 majority, but where a tie can be broken by Democrat Lieutenant Governor uh, Susan Bysiewicz. I don't see that being the case. I don't see that being the case. The Democrats in the Senate utterly dominate the Senate and will go, and are lockstep in line with the leftist narrative, which will mm-hmm. pass this. Now, I haven't actually read the bill. Uh, Dan, I think you can probably link to the bill. But if what people are, if what folks are talking about are, is true about this bill, this is a terrible, terrible bill. So apparently there is like um, a, a, public, a private sector, like just volunteer committee that towns are now being allowed to, to establish that would have higher fire discretion over police officers. I don't know what they're calling it. It's like a community review board that they're calling it or something like that. Right. And that to me sounds incredibly dangerous. That these, these unelected appointed committee can, of three, of three can make higher fire decisions about police officers. The limit, the basically elimination of qualified immunity in Connecticut. I don't know how police officers are supposed to do their job. The law is going no. to dictate mandate. Now the law, actually the terms of the law mandate that they're going to have to buy their own pers- uh, liability insurance which they can't get now through uh, the police union. They can't get through the police department. They have to personally pay for it, right? So the law is is the law is preventing the union from buying the insurance. Is that it? So uh, from what I understand is I haven't read the bill itself. Um, I can actually go to Billy Buckby uh, if you guys can just bear with me. Um, actually had a great post on the good and the bad here. Let me see if I can find that for you. Um, so we won't be able to actually show it, but um, let's see. State Representative Billy Buckby. I can go to his post. Um, I'll continue reading here. Okay, this is kind of long, but I'll just give you the the um, rundown. I mentioned that once I got some sleep. Uh, this is this is come from State uh, State Rep Billy Buckby's Facebook page. Um, so let me let me get out of this so that it, we don't confuse anybody with what I'm reading. <clears throat> okay, you so this put is that link in the doc, and I'll post it. Yeah, here you guys can take a look at this post from Billy Mo Buckby. Um, uh, uh, Dan's about to, sh- to share it as soon as I get it put into the doc. Uh, Dan, it's at the very end. I'll just put it in the uh, post show. It. Done. Okay, so this is from State Representative Billy Mo Buckby. I mentioned that once I got some sleep, I'd update you all on why it's so very important to read more than the headline of a bill. The police accountability was rushed into special session as a, quote, emergency. It was passed during a pandemic in special session without a public hearing, introduced at 1.30 in the morning, and by 8 a.m., after almost 24 hours of other actual emergency legislation, it passed. It was such an emergency that the most egregious parts of this bill go into effect July 1st of next year. So I beg to ask again why this bill didn't face the due process of committee public hearings, you know, like all other bills. So uh, then he breaks down the good and the bad. Here is some of the good. Require body cameras and dashboard cameras for police officers' vehicles and require that officers display identification. By the way, you know why, do you know why, uh, do you know why police violence goes down when that happens? Because passengers of vehicles know that they're being watched. People know that they're being recorded. And suspects stop acting unruly. That's the actual science. There's a report that study that came out actually a few years ago about that, about body cams in hmm. New Jersey, Washington. I forget where it was. Uh, additional mental health assessments and drug testing for police officers applies Freedom of Information Act provision to union contracts, which I think is a good thing, and at and arbitration awards to remedy the police contracts issues uh, with disciplinary records not being subject to Freedom of Information Act. That's, I think, the list that um, that Elliot wants. I think it's the, the, I forget what the name of the list is. I think Elliot wants that in, in New Hampshire. Creates a new inspector general to impartially review incidents of excessive force and death and does not involve the attorney general's office in this process. Directs police departments to evaluate the possibility of utilizing social workers when appropriate. This is similar to what New Milford, my hometown and his hometown, uh, already began doing with uh, Justin uh, Colmer's position at the police department. Uh, So this is the bad. Limits qualified immunity, which will, one, make it difficult to recruit and retain police officers as evidenced by the fact that, like, when this, when the, when these, um, uh, 
that we've already lost 600 officers in New York in response to these to um yeah. to the defund the police early movement. retirements. Yep. Yeah. Uh, two, be very costly for the remaining officers and municipalities. It obviously will be. Three, make us all less safe. Qualified immunity was created by the Supreme Court in 1967 to give officers immunity if, under the circumstances existing at the time, a reasonable officer believed their actions were lawful. Every legislator agrees this bill will increase suits against the police and municipalities. The Supreme Court, including Justice Thurgood Marshall, the first black Supreme Court justice, opined that without qualified immunity, the threat of lawsuits will chill lawful law enforcement conduct as qualified immunity gives officers, quote, breathing room to make reasonable mistaken judgments about open legal questions, end quote. Every Connecticut resident will be less safe come July 1st, 2021, when this part of this terrible bill goes into effect. Uh, so it bans police departments from availing themselves of federal program to uh, procure certain types of excess federal equipment and vehicles. New Milford just got our helicopter, and while it could be waived since it's from, and while it could be waived since it's formerly a military helicopter, it might be at risk. So I'd love to ask what type of military equipment is being disqualified here. Uh, you know, maybe there was an excess productivity of of uh, body armor, so they decided to sell the excess. In the free market to you know local communities, uh, maybe right. maybe it's something like um, road flares because let's say they had an excess of road flares. Can they buy road flares from the military? Okay, I mean, uh, can they can they can they buy um, you know surveillance equipment for their their investigative bodies? You know, so if if they've got a warrant, of course, to surveil somebody, can they can they buy that from the military? Right. Uh, takes away the value. Sorry, uh, limited reimbursement of municipalities for the unfunded mandated purchase of body worn cameras, dashboard cams, and data storage. Uh, so there's some recompense from the Fed. Uh, takes away the valuable tool for law enforcement to ask consent of a person to search a motor vehicle or their person. The U.S. Supreme Court approved this Terry stop practice in 1968. I think it's incredibly deceptive, and the police should stop using it. But I kind of don't have a problem if you're if you're dumb enough to allow the police officer of your own volition to, to consent to a search. Don't consent to a search. No. Right. And, and tell me why, tell me what you, what you're looking for. Tell me what I'm being right. charged with. Otherwise, no, you're not allowed in my yeah. private property. Politicizes mm-hmm. the inspector general position by making the confirmation subject to legislative approval. Fails to give the police accountability task force, the ability to review the issues in this bill. Fails to go through a normal mm-hmm. hearing process, which we talked about does not adhere to the two main issues that have allowed the few bad cops to remain and employed and rehired one separate bargaining units between rank and file and superiors Two arbitration board ties the hands of administration that want to dismiss bad cops fails to cover the accreditation costs that municipalities will now be mandated to acquire astronomical increase of insurance and liability costs for municipalities, which gets their money from your tax dollars and mine. So you're paying for all of this. The other thing it doesn't mention is it doesn't break up the unions, which are the source of like all of these right. problems in the first place. Yeah. So yeah, because they defend the cop regardless they're, they're which is their job, but it's still, they're going to defend the cop regardless. Yeah. So some good to me outweighed by a lot of bad. Yeah. I mean, if it's true, I'll have to read the bill myself. Um, but yeah, so I mean, hey, we're is... starting to get toward the end of the program. Do you want to start to do uh, some questions here? Yeah, let's do some questions and answers. Do it. Uh, so not necessarily a question, but uh, Stephen Axelman, who also has a podcast, uh, the EJS podcast on the Liberty block on Wednesdays. Uh, he made a comment earlier when we were speaking about the death, uh, counts that deaths aren't reliable because they lie about the cause to death to make more money, which is true. We've reported that uh, we found hospitals are getting paid over twenty thousand dollars for everybody that's uh, diagnosed. Yeah, so there is there are definitely Chinese in- bat flu. Yeah, there's. <laughs> hey, we're about to get in trouble big time. We're, we're about to get in trouble, trouble big Chinese. time, anyways. We're not well. getting in trouble for Chinese bat flu. Yep. Uh, earlier, when we were showing pictures of my governor, I don't see the comment anymore, but a Daniel Miller made a comment that um, his eyes were hurting from the glare off of the governor's legs, <laughs> which I have to agree with. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he's been abiding by the lockdown outside of these pool parties. Yeah. Uh, been yeah, hiding out in Joe little, Biden's bunker. He needs a little sunscreen. Yep. Uh, that's the only uh, only comment I really see. Uh, our our founder has posted a, a couple things in the comments that people might want to click on uh, various articles that we've written along the way. Yeah, 
Yeah, we've talked about all of these issues quite a bit on the Liberty Block. You can check that out on the LibertyBlock.com. Dan and I will be back next. Uh, we're going to hope to be back next week. Uh, Dan, I think you've got some uh, some issues here, and I think I might have some conflicts too. So we're going to hopefully be Actually, back. Actually, that week. got canceled again. Right. So we'll, my we'll, buddy's wife uh, had appendicitis last night. Oh wow! All right. So yeah. well, that's too bad. <laughs> Um, so we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on that matter. We don't know if we're going to have a show next week. If not, we will definitely be back the week afterwards. Uh, everybody check out the EJS show, uh, which will be airing on Wednesday. Um, I, I'm hoping that ever that the, uh, that, uh, the host of the EJS show will, uh, post a link to the zoom webinar that you guys can attend. Um, so you guys can watch that live as it happens and, uh, you know, <clears throat> raise your hand and maybe they'll, they'll, they'll allow some call-ins to that show. But yeah, episode, I think it's, is it seven or six of the EGS show is going to happen on Wednesday. Um, and otherwise we will see you next week. And remember, reminder folks, if you want to get things done, just like we've seen with Black Lives Matter and just like we've seen with the coronavirus nonsense, the solution to everything strong on everybody. Good night, everybody. This is going to, this is where we get in trouble. Reiner, you said the goo machine would work, but I got made fun of! That's because there is no goo, Mr. Cruz! You see, I learned something today. Throughout this whole ordeal, we've all wanted to show things that we weren't allowed to show. But it wasn't because of some magic goo. It was because of the magical power of threatening people with violence. That's obviously the only true power. If there's anything we've all learned, it's that terrorizing people works. That's right. Don't you see, Gingers? If you don't want to be made fun of anymore, all you need are guns and bombs to get people to stop. That's right, friends. All you need to do is instill fear and be willing to hurt people, and you can get whatever you want. The only true power is violence. Yeah.